0: I hope you have your bibles with you i 'm going to encourage more and more that you bring a hardback Bible well soft leather hardback i 'm talking about a physical Bible now, if you still want to lo- use your phone or your iPad or tablet that 's wonderful. I get it. But boy, if you can bring your Bible a highlight or a pen, something to take notes, just out of curiosity if you 've got a Bible today, would you hold it up? Have we have any boy we 've got some wonderful Bibles. I, I do see one songbook. Put it down. Just no no songbooks. Wow. Okay. Uh, but, you know, the Bible needs to be a very important part of our lives. Every day, we need to be in the Word. We need to let the Word be in us. We need to be praying, meditating, spending some time in quietness and stillness. John Michael was talking about just how fantastic it was to be at Whispering Pines this last week and how refreshing that was. And uh, And that's the case. And so, Please take advantage of all of those things. Jesus encounters with others. We come to one today that is one of my favorites, and you heard Tony read about it just a few moments ago. Found in all three of the synoptics, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. I'm using Matthew because we're talking about Matthew. Listen to what he says about himself. As Jesus went on from there, Now, if you're familiar with the context, Jesus is in Capernaum, okay? He's up there on the Sea of Galilee. Uh, It's it's where he kind of made his second home. It's where Peter and Andrew and James and John had their fishing business. And so here he is in Capernaum, and he's going on his way, and he sees a man by the name of Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. And he simply says, follow me. And Matthew got up and followed him. Now, if you're not careful, you can read this story and almost think that Jesus had some type of magical power. That he could just walk by someone, sitting at their business, someone who, this is how they made a living, and Jesus just say the words, follow me, and he would get up like a zombie and begin to follow Jesus. But that's not what's going on in this story at all. One of the things I love about the story is that both Matthew, Mark, or all three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, tell the story. But Mark and Luke tell it differently. Notice the way they say it. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake, Sea of Galilee. Large crowds came. He began to teach them. And as he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus. I I thought it was Matthew. It is Matthew, who's also known as Levi the son of Alphaeus. One of the ways you would know people back in Bible times is either who their father was or where they were from. Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus son of Joseph. And so here's, here's Levi, he's the son of Alphaeus. Luke does the exact same thing, doesn't call him the son of Alphaeus, but refers to him as Levi. Now you have to ask yourself, why? come back to that in just a moment. Because what's fascinating to me is that both in Mark and Luke's account of the 12 apostles, even though they tell the story of Levi, they call him Matthew in their list. And and I don't know about you, but that kind of caused me to think, why? Why call him Levi over here and Matthew over here? And the only answer I could get, Blake, was it would have messed up the song. Jesus called them one by one. You know, you don't get the rhyme if you go with the word Levi. Matthew, you get the rhyme. And so, you know, evidently the list of the 12 apostles was so memorized in the first century that even though both Mark and Luke say Levi, they get to the list, they say Matthew. Matthew, gift of God. Matthias. Matthios. Theos, meaning God. It's, it's a Greek name. Now, very likely, his Hebrew name was Matayahu, which means gift of Yahweh. But, but he didn't seem to take that name. He seemed to take a Greek name. And once again, you have to ask yourself, why take a Greek name? This is a picture from The Chosen. The Chosen is a video series. It's out right now. Many of you have been watching it. We're going to be showing it tonight or this afternoon starting at 5 o'clock. And we'll show it every Sunday night all through the summer with the exception of when we've got VBS and a couple of other events. But we're going to be watching a video series this summer and we want to invite you to come. Five o'clock today, invite your friends, your neighbors. You simply come, there's going to be popcorn in the foyer, there'll be water available. If you want to bring your own water, you can do that. You get popcorn, you come in, we watch the video. And then if you want to, you can go home. If you'd like to stay, we're going to have a little discussion afterwards, just kind of exploring it. The Chosen is a very different type of series because what The Chosen does is it goes into the backstories of the New Testament. And when I say backstory, you know, you're reading, let's say, The Calling of Matthew, and Jesus just goes by, follows me, and he follows him. But what's the story behind that text? What's the backstory? And that's what the chosen tries to do now, the backstory anytime you start with backstory, you're using the imagination you're combining it with what you know of the culture, what is said in other passages of the gospels, and you then try to come up with as best a guess as you can Now, backstory is always a guess, some educated, not some not so educated. but what we'll be doing in this series this summer is kind of looking at. The backstory of a lot of the people Jesus encountered. It's a wonderful, incredible series. If you come and watch it, I think if you're like me, you'll get addicted. So, what's the backstory of Levi? Well, let's look at just a little bit of it. Jesus had earlier, which is so fascinating to me, this is Matthew chapter 5. The other text is Matthew chapter 9. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is criticizing people for not loving their enemies. He says, come on, you got to be better than that. And then notice what he says. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? Now, y'all, that's the worst character in the society that Jesus could, could describe. And then, of course, now he picks one to be one of his apostles. You've got to appreciate the irony. But tax collectors were hated people. They were Jews who had turned. They were now working for Rome, and they were taking your money. By the way, how many of y'all like paying taxes? Anybody like paying taxes in here? Okay. Okay, there we go. Curtis likes paying taxes. My, my dad always said, I wish I could pay a million dollars of taxes every year. Now, you think about that, and you'll understand why he says that. I always thought that was a pretty cool answer. You know, do you like paying taxes? Oh, I wish I paid a lot more. You know, I don't like paying just a little. There's the problem. They worked for Rome. Because they worked for Rome, they were cut off. Cut off from family. Cut off from synagogue. Cut off from Jewish life. They were the enemy. Tax collectors and sinners. You go through the text and you'll hear those two words put together. We'll see that here in just a moment. And then the other backstory about Matthew that's interesting is his name, Levi. I mean, where did you get a name like Levi? Well, oftentimes you'd get a name that came from either your tribe or from, from someone famous in your tribe. Paul, for instance. His Bible name is Saul. Why is he Saul? He's Saul because he's from the tribe of Benjamin and the first king of Israel was Saul. And so he is named after this, you know, heroic character in the Old Testament. At least very likely. Well, Levi was probably, if I'm a guessing man, named after the tribe he was born into. Which fills in a lot of backstory. You see, if you're from the tribe of Levi, you're doing either one of two things. If you're from the family of Aaron, you're a priest and you serve in the temple. If you're just an ordinary Levi, you work at the temple. You're the guys who make sure that there's plenty of wood for sacrifice, who help with the slaughter of animals, who take care of all the storehouses, who do all the repairs. You serve in the presence of God. That's what it means to be Levitical. And yet, evidently, here's a guy who his parents had named him Levi, very likely from the tribe he's from, who says, I want nothing to do with it. And so he turns his back on the temple, on temple worship on everything that has to do with the faith of Israel. And then he takes a job. A job in Capernaum. Now, to understand what he did, Capernaum is on a major highway. You know, if people ask, where's Nashville? Well, Nashville's in the middle of Tennessee. You have I-65 coming north. You have I-40 going, you know, kind of east-west. You have I-24. And all of those roads intersect in Nashville. You have to know that to find your way around Nashville, right? Well, back in biblical times, they had the same thing. They had these major roads that connected all the trade routes of the ancient world. And the one, if you'll notice on the left of the picture, is called the Via uh, Maris, the Way of the Sea. And it was a major trade route that went from Damascus way up in Syria all the way down to Egypt. And so they were constantly carrying goods one direction, the other direction. I mean, caravans pouring through. And they would go right through Capernaum. And Capernaum was a stop. It's where you got water. It's where you bought food. It was this village there on the banks of the Sea of Galilee that was best known for its dried fish. You see, if you're traveling in the caravan, you've got to stop at McDonald's occasionally. And you want to filet a fish sandwich. And that's what they would do at Capernaum. And guess who supplied the fish? People like Peter, Andrew, James, John. Now you see the business. And of course, with all the trade came taxes. And that's where Matthew came in. Now, a little more backstory Matthew's working as a tax collector, Jesus has come to Capernaum and he's performing miracles. This text in chapter 8, one chapter earlier, he goes and heals Peter's mother-in-law and then casts out demons and heals all kinds of sick people. You go over to chapter 9 and right before the story about Matthew is the story about a paralytic who who they're there in Capernaum, uh, crowds are around the door, these people can't get their friend to Jesus, they go up on top of the house, you remember the story, and lets him down through the roof. And you don't perform miracles like that in Capernaum without everybody hearing about it. And and all I know is that at at some point in time, Matthew began to take note of this miracle worker from Nazareth. Who is he? What is he doing? How is he doing it? And that's been rolling around in his head, there's no doubt about it. Who is this prophet named Jesus from Nazareth? And what, what does these miracles mean? And then all at once, there he is at the tax collector's booth. I mean, with all of these questions in his mind, and Jesus steps up and says, follow me. And Matthew now has to make a decision, a choice. Jesus knows what he's thinking. Jesus had that remarkable ability to peer inside people's minds. He knows what Matthew is thinking. And so he goes by and simply looks at him and says, Follow me. Ball's in your court now, Matthew. What are you going to do? And of course, the reality is that we all do this, we all make choices, decisions about how we're going to live our life, who we're going to live our life for, the direction we're going to go in life. Jesus would put it this way in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, you've either got a narrow gate you can enter in, or you've got a broad way. Your choice, one leads to destruction, one leads to life. Where are you going? And the text says Matthew made his decision. He left everything. He had left everything to become a tax collector, a publican. He now leaves everything to follow Jesus. And when I say everything, you've got to picture the scene. He's there at the booth. He gets up. He takes and he turns you know, the tax money over to someone there and says, It's yours. Here's the accounts. They're yours. Here's the keys. They're yours. I'm out of here. And, of course, you have to ask yourself, Everything. Everything. And so I ask you, what have you left to follow Jesus? What have you left? If you're like me, someone who's been raised in the church so that you've been kind of following Jesus all of your life, perhaps a better question is what do you need to leave? Because if we went around and we were all honest, we would have to admit that what happens to us oftentimes is that we make a choice when we're young. I was 11 years old to follow Jesus. And then Satan begins to try and weasel his way into your life. And and Jesus in the parable of the sower said, some of it falls on this, this soil over here and it's got weeds in it. And those weeds grow up and begin to choke out that particular plant. And of course, the weeds that are growing there is wealth. Pursuits of happiness, of fun, things of this world. And so maybe we too need to hear that call, follow me, and ask ourselves, what do I need to let go of? If you had to answer that question this morning, if you had to write it down on the back of a card, what would you put down? Very likely, if you were like me, maybe several things. And so he left everything. And I love what he does next. When he says he left everything, he didn't mean he left everything in the sense of his whole life is gone. I'm never going to associate with tax collectors again. In fact, right the opposite. Matthew and Mark simply says he held a banquet. I love Luke. Luke evidently having, you know, investigated it, talked to people maybe who were there said, Levi held a great banquet. I mean y'all he spared no expense. He put it all out for Jesus. And look at the text there, for Jesus at his house and a large crowd of tax a large crowd of tax collectors. That's who he knew. And then and others. I want you to notice that phrase and others. Because Matthew's going to define what the others are here in just a second. What I loved about Matthew is that when he chose to follow Jesus, he wanted Jesus to meet as many of his friends as as could. And you know, if we're going to be true followers of Jesus, we're going to have to develop the same passion for Jesus. People ask all the time, why is the church not growing like it should be growing? And it comes down to a simple answer, and that is we are not as passionately in love with Jesus as we ought to be. It's that simple. When Jesus is your everything, When Jesus is the one you're willing to leave everything to follow, then you can't help but say to people, I need to tell you about Jesus. Because here is someone who has a different way of living than the rest of the world. And the answer to America today is not new laws and and new things happening in Washington. It is Christians sharing the gospel of Jesus the Christ. That's where it is. And you need to ask yourself, do you love Jesus enough that you want to introduce him to your friends? And if the answer is no, you need to ask whether you really love Jesus. So he invites them all in. And so the question is, who are we seeking? Now I have to admit, for some of us that's difficult. You know, uh, I, I work here at the building. I tried to set up a Bible study with Tony last week, he wasn't interested. You know, I mean, it's just the way it is. You know, I'm like, how do I convert these guys you know, these people in the office? For me, I have to look at the gym. I have to look at my next-door neighbors. I have, to, I have to really go out and try to build relationships. Some have more opportunities because God places you. God places you in specific places to be able to share the message of Jesus. And Jesus took, boy, he took the opportunity and he preached we don't know how many tax collectors followed Jesus that day. We do know that the Pharisees and teachers of the law, why do you eat with, uh, and drink with tax collectors? And no, you, remember, you remember the word that was used, others? Pharisees are quick to tell you who the others are. They're sinners. Why is Jesus eating with tax collectors and sinners? And, of course, that word complained right there. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you, The greatest need the church has is Christians who are deeply in love with Jesus Christ. And the other thing is we've got to get away from complaining. We have become such a consumer-oriented group of people that, guess what? It's all about my needs, not the needs of other people, especially the needs of the lost of this world. And if church doesn't go exactly the way I want church to go, then I want to complain about it. I mean, do any of us really want to be a part of a church where everybody's complaining? I don't. Primarily because I'm the one they complain about. I mean, that's the way it works. Let's talk about the guy up there that's preaching every Sunday. And and you know what? I mean, we just need to realize, as my grandmother used to say, if you can't say something good, don't say anything at all. Y'all, we are in too serious a business to focus on the negative when the world is lost. It's time we get serious about making this church a church that we love and that the people in the world see that we love it and want to know why. And the answer is Jesus. That's why. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I mean, he came to call those who were sinners. And the church is not a spiritual country club for the spiritual elite. If it was, I wouldn't qualify It's a church, a hospital for sinners. And there I feel at home. Because that's what I was. And what Jesus saved me from. And he did the same for you. What I love most about Matthew is that when he got near the end of his life, he sat down and wrote a book. Wrote a book. Probably the most read book in the world and the reason I say that is the most read book in the world is the Bible and the most read book in the Bible is the first book of the New Testament called Matthew a tax collector who is known for telling the story of Jesus to billions of people and let me just ask a very simple question if we took the name Matthew off and wrote in your name, how long would the story be? Can we tell the story of Jesus like Matthew did? Because if we can learn to do that, there's no limit to what we can do through the power of Jesus Christ and the personal indwelling of his spirit. And so today, if you need to answer the call to follow me, to put your faith, to be baptized, to come to know Jesus, why don't you do it? Right now, as together we stand and sing.